is Pinche Millennials Podcast, Pinche Participation. I'm Amanda Miguel. And I'm Nick Ochoa. We are two Latinx millennials sharing a fresh, relevant perspective on civics and political participation. And this week's episode is about the Electoral College and how our vote determines the winner of the presidential race every four years. So our last two episodes, we covered voting by mail, voting in person. So if you want to know more about how to cast your ballot, give a listen to episodes uh, two and three. And since we're in the early stages of this podcast, we are open to any feedback or ideas you, our listeners, may have about our content. So if you have questions, if you want to know more about how you can register to vote or literally anything else election related, DM us at Bincha Millennial. And we're, we'd be happy to help. You can mention us in our, your Instagram story so we can see your questions. Uh, we'll answer and repost thoughts, ideas, and questions our listeners have. Uh, we're planning on answering some of those questions during this podcast. Uh, and keep your ears peeled for some answers that you might have, or answers to questions you might have. And in fact, this podcast about, this episode about the Electoral College was a request from uh, one of my f- hometown friends from El Paso a couple weeks ago. So Amanda and I, crafted that up. Thanks. Can't remember if it was Denise or Monique, but thank you. <laughs> we thank you for sending in your questions. It helps us to, you know, curate this content and just to highlight some of the things we can be highlighting California, Texas, and Illinois. That's, you know, we have ties to those areas. Um, but again, if you wanted something more specific, just let us know. Uh, keep in mind that we are still living through a global banda- pandemic, and this Ugh. CDC recommends <laughs> avoiding large crowds and taking safety precautions when that is unavoidable. So if you go out and vote in person, wear a mask, adhere to safety guidelines such as social distancing, et cetera. Just so you, just so you wash remember your, that. <laughs> wash your hands, people. Stay safe. <laughs> so first things first, right? Nick, we are talking about the Electoral College and people are like, college? You know, I think that's one of the first questions, honestly. Like, when we're like, what does that have to do with anything about me voting? So I think the core question, the core, like, essential learning that I think our listeners really need to understand is, is the United States a democracy? Can you walk us through what kind of system we have here in our country? Yeah. So we hear the Electoral College. It's not a place. It's a system by which we elect the president. Uh, College is just a collection of, you know, like a flock of birds. A college Mm. is another word for a collection, a a group, a gathering. Mm. When they they choose the Pope in Rome, the College of Cardinals is who selects it. So it's all the cardinals in the world together are called Mm. a college. So college is just a general word for an assembly this way. So electoral college. Nice. Uh, To Amanda, your question about democracy We've talked about how we cast our ballots as individuals and voting is one part of the puzzle that is civic participation in our in this country. So while we frequently like understand the US as a democracy, which it is in part, it's also important to remember that the US is not a pure democracy in the mm. truest pure sense of democracy by definition. Democracy is a system where people choose what laws, rules and policies determine how a country is run. So yes, in that sense, the U.S. is a democracy. People have a say by voting and other methods of getting our voices heard, right? But a pure democracy would mean voters have a say in every issue. That would mean we chime in about every issue a government could make. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine how that would actually be in our lives? Like if military wanted to take action, they would ask the voters, hey, what do you think about this? 
should we go build a new army in this place? Should we hire this guy as a general? Should we promote this lady as a general? Mm-hmm. As voters, as people living our lives, like it's not efficient to be doing that for everything. There's so many things that go into running a country that it's not efficient to every five minutes check in. Hey guys, what do you think about taxes? Yeah. What about roads? Yeah. Whatever. Consensus and deciding on everything. Like if you're a family of five, I grew up in a family of five, uh, for us to figure out who's going to, you know, what we're going to have for dinner. I'm like, you have five different palettes right there, five different preferences. So sometimes you just need one person. We've elected one adult parent to choose what we're having. And hopefully that includes some kind of vegetables and healthy yeah. options. But I totally see that why we need this, why we can't just have that straight up democracy. Right. So then we have a system that we actually live in is a representative democracy Mm. just as amanda you pointed out you have Mm. elected a parent in your family growing up to decide what happened for dinner on tuesdays or every day whatever it was right you guys your family unit decided this person we trust this person to be in charge of this component whoever it was made dinner decided dinner whatever cool um so that you wouldn't have all five people chiming in every time you decided to have a meal so that's how it is politics in the u.s uh we elect people to make our decisions for us so we can live our lives while they literally have the job of running the country. That's like what they do. That's their job, their occupation. It's like driving a car, right? We're on a road trip. We'll call like the U S government. Like our experience is a road trip and we decide who gets behind the wheel. So we, whoever it is, if it's the most trusted driver or the person who knows the way or a shortcut or who drives the fastest or whatever, Mm. you put that person in charge Mm -hmm. so you can be in the backseat minding your business, right? Yeah. Living your life, playing on, you know, listening to your Spotify, listen to us on your Spotify and your headphones (laughs) while you trust that whoever we have elected to represent us is taking care of us is to your point, driving real fast, real reckless or safe and for, you know, for everyone, I think that's a really good uh, mindset to have of that elected, these elected representatives are your, who you're trusting. You, yeah. You've got to trust them. And and we, mm. we give them a chance, our elected officials. And mm. if we don't like what they're doing, we have the opportunity to vote them out of office. So every two years we vote in the national elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president is every four years, but the rest of the Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives are get uh, their elections for Senate and House of Representatives every two years. And we decide, hey, we like you in office. We like the way you're driving and where you're taking us. Keep it up. Sigale. Yeah. We'll keep you. Or get this person out. We don't like the way you're right. driving. We don't like the decisions you're making. Yeah. Fuera. Where's, Ch- where's El Chacal? <laughs> Fuera. Yeah, let's get that. <laughs> so um, in this case, when we're, and back to like the electoral college and its purpose, right? When it comes to electing the president, right? These electors, I think that's what they're called. Um, Their job is actually to vote for the president. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's not deciding the president's, who wins the presidential race is not just, all right, let's count all the votes. Right. And based on that number, you win. That's not exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, That's called the popular vote, right? Mm -hmm. Think of a popularity contest in, in school. Who wins homecoming queen? Mm-hmm. Well, wh- whoever got the most votes. But that's not how it works. We've actually seen two elections in two, the year 2000 and 2016 where a candidate won more votes overall by the people than 
yeah, more people, mm-hmm. the popular vote mm-hmm. um, overall, but then that candidate did not win the presidency because of the electoral college. So Al Gore actually had more votes than George W. Bush and Hillary Clinton won more votes than Donald Trump, but they did not win the presidency. So it's because of the electoral college, which was part of the constitution, mm. electors, as you mentioned, they are like a separate group of people. Our votes we cast in our state and then the electors make decision based on that. It's where it gets a little complicated. I know. But these electors, we still choose them. They're like your representatives. They're your senators and they're your House of Representatives, correct? They're your Congress. Sometimes, members. sometimes. So it's the same number of electors as the people in Congress, but they are not always the same electors. In fact, they're usually like party leaders. Um, like in 2016, Bill Clinton was an elector. New York oh. State chose its electors. Um, the people in New York chose their electors. Bill Clinton happened to be one of them. So Bill Clinton cast the electoral vote that New York's voters said they want to give to Hillary Clinton, his wife. Yeah, um, so each, it's pretty complicated. I think each party chooses its own electors. And then when a state goes for one party or the other, okay. uh-huh. the party that won has its electors do the votes basically. And the party that did not win that state, their electors like, all right, go home. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so the, number, but, but the numbers the numbers are the same. It's uh, 538, I believe, which is the same number of people serving in the Congress. Got it. Senate and the House of Representatives. And it's all based on population. So, um, South Dakota has fewer electors than mm-hmm. New York state, for example, mm-hmm. uh, California has like 55, I guess, because there are 53 congressional representatives based on California's population mm-hmm. plus two senators. So for a total of 55, so whoever yeah. wins California gets 55 votes, the electors 55 votes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And it's that way for every state. Every state has a different number. Um, the more populous ones, California, New York, Texas, Florida, have bigger, yeah. elect, uh, more votes. Yeah. And that's determined by the census. Would you tell us about the census, Amanda? What, oh, yeah. what's, what's that? What's that about? Okay. So the census is also in our constitution uh, that basically requires our country to take a snapshot of how many people are living here, are residing here in our country. That's it. Because, back to the point of Nick that I was making, our electors, our electorate, our House of Representatives, Congress, et cetera, is dependent on how many people live here. Uh, and I say live here because you don't have to be a citizen to be counted in the census. It's, it was never a requirement in the Constitution. Um, the intention was to always have an adequate picture of where um, everyone was living, um, and, you know, just, are we growing? Are we getting smaller? You know, for, just so folks know, you know, in our, not, not only in our country, but other places across the world, like some, some countries are getting smaller, like they're not reproducing yeah. as much. They don't have immigration. They don't have, um, they're, they're not incentivizing with jobs, right? This, and that's problematic because if you brought it down to the bare nimble is like less people equals less GDP, less economic uh, gain. So, which is why the United States, um, you know, arguably when we are growing and specifically with states 
that grow faster. For instance, Nick, you just outlined the uh, the largest growing uh, states. They're getting larger with how much money they're um, creating, jobs they're creating. There's you know there's a lot of ties uh, to population, and so the census in our constitution is to you know is to capture what the country looks like every ten years. Like that's just something that's been happening. I think I had the date like. 1790 keeps coming to mind, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, that's right. so if, you know, it is a way to check to see, because if a state is getting smaller and a state is growing exponentially, the representation needs to follow that because you would want, um, this is where we get a little dicey, but you would want to have the adequate amount represent representation for the folks that are, that are have those interests and have that uh, shared identity of location. Wyoming has a smaller population than New Jersey. The government takes that into account when determining like public school funding or funding for roads. You know, you have more needs for a state like New Jersey, which has right. many millions of people. Yeah. Right, you wouldn't send the same amount of money to New, New Jersey to build roads that you would to Wyoming. Right. And this is, this is not the same demand, the same people, amount right. of people there. I think we had two points, right? Representation in Congress. And then what re- representation usually also means is ensuring that um, our federal dollars come right back into those communities that, that need it. Right. You go, yeah. I was like, I don't know if it's equitably here. I think it is. It's equitable by population. So it should matches. Be, yeah. It should be. It should be. Uh, and, you know, I think of if the if the Constitution asks for the census every 10 years, think about what changes in 10 years. Right. Um, if someone gets, you know, has a child or children in those 10 years, all of a sudden you are now accounting for three new people and little people. And if what does it look like the school system there? So you are starting to have a better understanding of like, oh, we're going to need to build more schools or we aren't growing as fast as we thought we were. We don't need to invest, you know, a bond for the local schools because it's not keeping up with uh, population growth. And then the the other side is how many folks have we lost? How many folks have we um, have gotten to a retirement age? And what is Social Security going to need to look like? Uh, and as you know, millennials are the largest uh, age demographic, uh, surpassing the boomer generation. Well, think about it. Your boomer generation is getting older. And if they're so large and we're not investing in Social Security for, for that population um, age demographic, we're going to see shortcomings, you know, it's, it is necessary to have an adequate count so that we are matching the resources and representation. They're just in, in hand in hand. I'm like, it comes down to money. It's dollars. And if someone is saying uh, you shouldn't fill out your census, they're honestly trying to short you and cheat the system so that some communities get their fair share and others don't. So that's, that's really what it kind of comes down to. The census informs how many representatives we each get, each state, and then simultaneously the number of electors for president. We're getting back to the Electoral College mm-hmm. after our discussion on the census. They're so interlinked, though. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a lot, right? It's yes. confu- confusing. People are like, what the hell is the right. Electoral College? How does it get decided? Well, that's how. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Founding Fathers like wanted, they did, basically didn't trust the public, the general public to choose a president. So they set up a system called that we call today electoral college, the group of electors, right? 
again, determined based on census. And each state and DC plus DC decides how to appoint its electors. Uh, currently, all the states use popular vote results from the November election to decide which political party chooses. Mm. So is uh, it like take all then? Yeah, for I think for most of the states, for 48 states, mm. Maine and Nebraska are the exceptions. Gotcha. So if a, a candidate in any state wins 50% plus one vote, mm-hmm. they get all those votes for that state. So we talked about California that has 55 electors. Mm -hmm. Whoever wins a majority of all the votes in California gets 55 electoral votes. Mm -hmm. And then it's that way for every state. Uh, Pennsylvania has 20 votes. Texas has 35, I think. That's how it works. Um, And then Maine and Nebraska like do it proportionally in a Mm -hmm. very detailed way that's a bit complicated. Yeah. So... Whereas California gives all 55 votes to the winner, Nebraska and Maine split it in a different way so that it's, it's they don't, not, not all their votes go to the same person necessarily. Mm. It might, if the whole state votes for the same person, then yeah. So in order to win the presidency, a presidential candidate needs to win a majority of the electoral votes. And that's where you see like those breakdowns on TV of like the, um, Bar graphs, line graphs. No, it's a bar yeah. graph on its side. <laughs> yeah, and then you're tracking right. uh, to see who's getting, um, who's in the lead, quote unquote, as the state's results are coming in and whatnot. Um, but the number is 270 electoral votes. Because we already said since each state has like different numbers of electoral votes, this is why I'm going to reference other videos, but the Pinch Millennial videos for the primary, uh, we really focused on Super Tuesday because those were all of the really, really large states um, that would give us a clear indication of who was going to likely take the primary election. So in this case, right, going back down to we're watching how the states are coming in. There's a lot of eyes on the big states because they get more electoral votes. Um, Not necessarily enough for the 270 number, um, and that's where like this combination of uh, swing states and midsize and small size like could potentially put a different picture for you together. Uh, so, um, again, back to the idea of like so a state like Wyoming, um, they reliably vote for Republican candidates for president, while a state like California uh, reliably votes for Democratic candidates for president. So some of them already kind of fall under like mm, these are kind of like safe Republican states and then safe Democratic states. Like basically we know we can generally estimate that this, these, some states will choose the Republican candidate Mm. and some states will choose the Democrat, but then other states like Iowa, Ohio, Florida Mm -hmm. don't reliably choose one party over another from year to year. So those are called swing states. Sometimes Iowa votes for the Democrat candidate and then sometimes they vote for the Republican candidate. And I would say you know, back to this idea of like the census and why we do a checkpoint of our country. We, as pinch millennials, we're, we are also a checkpoint of what's happening in this country. Um, We both are from um, immigrant beginnings, uh, two generations removed, one generation removed. We are now in this, we're getting older, more involved in civic engagement. And the other folks we're thinking about are the Gen Zers, <laughs> all the kids that are turned 18 and have looked at what's happened to this country in the past three and a half years 
um, and are engaged. And honestly, I mean, when we back, when we go back to like which states are reliably Republican and reliably Democrat, it's now looking at which states are just changing. How are they changing? And I think that's the question that here on our podcast and our videos and our conversations is just, we, this is how we are changing. These conversations are capturing how we think and approach um, our engagement with our country that we know and love and have embraced and call home. Um, and I think the polling, I think, and you can give me your thoughts here, Nick, too. The polling that we see, the traditional like language that you are like being fed through cable television or network TV, this is what is known for the history of reliable voters. This is the traditional voter. And riddle me not, right? What does that traditional and reliable voter look like? It has changed and it is changing every election. And I'll do yeah. one last bit of information. I'm so sorry. It's my soapbox now. But um, that traditional voter often has uh, is a white person um, that has voted in the last whatever 10, you know, 20 ele- you know, elections. So someone that is older, an older white voter. But that is not how, and correct me if I'm wrong, that is not how our last Democratic president won. He didn't win the white vote. He didn't win the majority of white voters, uh, President Obama in 2008 or in 2012. It was really because of um, young voters and people of color, which are, which are not captured in the polling as accurately as what we're seeing today. Yeah, and that's important to note because we, I mean, I've known my whole life, if I look at national politics, which mm-hmm. I've followed obsessively since I was a kid, like I don't see any leaders. I have for many years did not see leaders that look like me. Mm. And that doesn't, it's not just, do you look like me? Do I like you? No, no, no. Right. It's like, it's deeper. Do you recognize the needs of my community and mm-hmm. people like me? And is that important? You don't need to be a person of color to support right. communities of color. We see Georgia, which has historically yeah. just been a solid Republican state, mm-hmm. as long as you and I have been alive. Mm-hmm. And then Stacey Abrams narrowly did not win that election, unfortunately. But then Texas also, like Beth O'Rourke, Texas for d- decades has been just a Republican stronghold. Mm-hmm. I think since the Kennedy years, I guess. But then Beth O'Rourke comes in and gets within two points of winning. Yeah. That blew my mind. I was like, oh man, I just thought he was going to lose by a million percent. Yeah. There was no chance, but that's not true. Texas is changing so much. Yes. Younger voters, mm-hmm. people are aging up, getting age, uh, reaching the voting age, deciding mm-hmm. they want to be active and mm-hmm. they want you know, the country to take this shape or that shape. Mm-hmm. And people of color are taking more active role than we've known for many decades, for centuries, yeah. I guess, actually. Yeah. And so that's that's what's changing. You're right. Um, yeah. To the question of like, what can we expect this year? And I think you're already starting to see what that is looking like. We are having record breaking early voters in not just states like California, but in states like is it Georgia? Um, yeah. Shoot, I had I feel like I just saw the headlines run through my mind. Um, There's so many these days. It's hard I know. to keep up. I was like, uh, but for sure, states that are just hitting record numbers of early voting, people standing in line for hours, like four hours, eight hours on the first day because they're like, I am going to participate and I want folks to know what Georgians want, 
what Indiana wants, what California wants. I saw like those photos and it's one, it's super exciting, but then two, yeah. it's also like, what is it, what, what it has taken to feel like your country is not where you want it to be, you know? And I think that's what this last presidency has demonstrated to our country. I'm sorry, but there is literally no other way of explaining why so many folks would want to ensure that they're participating in this year's election outside of the fact that this is not how we believe our country should act like or should be. Knowing knowing that we have all of these early voters and folks aren't going to be counting until the night of um, the election, how long is it going to take, do you think, for us to truly have an accurate Jeez. count? Uh, who knows? Who who knows? I there every election there's an issue of w- how ballots are going to be counted mm-hmm. in this state or that state or mm-hmm. recounts. You know, sometimes in the states have their various rules, as we mentioned in our previous mm-hmm. content, con- co- episode. Mm-hmm. Each state determines the election, right? Its own elections. Right. So some states, like Pennsylvania, is not Pennsylvania has decided they are not going to count votes until election day. Mm-hmm. That's their right to decide, right? They could, and so they're getting ballots now in the mail and people are going early voting, Mm -hmm. but they're not like going to start counting the the envelopes that have been mailed to them until election day. So with what Amanda mentioned is these record numbers of turnout, people going to the polls and sending in their mail-in ballots. Those are just sitting somewhere in Pennsylvania. And on election day on November 3rd, that morning, Pennsylvania, the board of elections or whoever is counting the ballots will then open up and start counting one, two, three, four, five, whatever. So that will take some time, especially yeah. because with, with a, this big rush, this increase in voting yeah. that st- many states have not seen and they're not prepared for. Uh, so they, it's going to take them some time to get through it. And then separately, other states that are, we're going to see some lawsuits that gets, that get filed. There's, I think both campaigns are stocking up on lawyers right now because and like it doesn't make maybe we're thinking why are you gonna why do you need lawyers why lawsuits for an election well we mentioned earlier the election of the year 2000 that came down to florida they were counting some ballots but not others did they have to stop counting ballots by this time or that time and so each campaign obviously had an interest one way or the other and took the board of elections to court to say like, no, we got to count all these ballots. We got to do the recount again. And it went all the way to the Supreme court. Um, and that may happen again this year in maybe Florida, but maybe some other States as well. Yeah. Um, so unlike previous years where we, you stay up and watch election returns. Um, so we're not going to, we probably won't have a winner declared like official. We won't know for maybe a couple weeks after the election. So. And that's yeah. the scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is, <sighs> I don't want to stress out our listeners because that's not what I want for myself. So I'm not going to push that on anyone who's listening either. I will say that as we talk about this, as we are, you know, you know, you're at the dinner table with friends, colleagues, um, even I hope I'm hoping the, mainstream news media that we really dig in. We really dig in and say, hmm, record number of voters. Hmm, how are we ensuring that they're all counted? Hmm, it seems like some states may have, you know, tipped 
the scales a little too much in voter suppression. You know, I think these are honest conversations that everyone, everyone should be having and elevating at every level because how can we continue to have a disingenuous system, you know, that only further makes folks, you know, want to disengage? Like you can't, you can't stop the people. You can't suppress the people. And I'm thinking that's why, um, you know, our tagline is participation is powerful. And I like 100 believe like if we are at the table every single time, you can't you can't just disregard it. And so um, so it comes down to like my community organizing roots and my activism roots and, you know, approaching policy in this uh, thoughtful way. But I was like, if you are still part of the process, 100 percent, things will change things. We will change things together, but we need each other. Um, and I think. We can dig into Supreme Court and what those situations will look like, could look like, I should say. Uh, But as of right now, today, this week, do your part and vote. Encourage everyone in your family and friends to go out and vote if they can. Um, It is a right. Yeah. In in addition to voting being a right, it's a, in my opinion, it's a duty. It's a responsibility. It's and it's not a cure-all. There's no, by no, like, I don't want to get that, right. give the impression that voting fixes everything and right. we're all good if we just vote. Like, that's one way to do it. That's one way to help affect change. But it is a start that it's a tool that mm-hmm. many people have to get our voices in those rooms. Mm-hmm. This is part of why we're doing the podcast. I've yeah. noticed a lot of people in my community, in my orbit and social circle, in my family, don't see voting or yeah participation like it doesn't matter doesn't affect us but it actually does like mm-hmm. i went to title one schools in texas those are schools and communities with low access to opportunity and tax funds low tax bases so the federal government provides funds mm-hmm. so i grew up on reduced and free lunch as a kid mm-hmm. because that's my family needed that so i could get nutrition Yep, same. Mm-hmm. politics do affect us we need each other government is us i want to end my parting piece is a thank you to our listeners. Yeah. I have seen in some really encouraging messages of saying like, yo, this podcast, thank you so much. There's some stuff I didn't know. I'm sharing it with my tia or my cousin. Yeah. And I want to thank the people who I do know in my life, my cousins and high school friends or elementary friends who are listening and sharing it with their families and friends. And also those of you who I don't know, who don't know me personally, Thank you for listening. We're trying to get more information out there to Latinx millennial voters and any voter, really. Uh, and I just want to appreciate and express my gratitude for you all and the support that you've, this encouragement. Thank you. That's my happy, good, positive note. That's beautiful. Yes. And I can't say any better. Just thank you for listening. Thank you for rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. We already saw some comments. I was like, oh. People gave us five stars. Thank you. We hadn't even asked. Like, you know, just we really appreciate your support. It means so much. Every share, every comment, you know, getting it out to your folks. I think it is really exciting. So just thank you. And thank you, Nick. I think this is us. Um, this is Pinch Millennials, Pinch of Participation. We thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you.